Hello and welcome to Walkley Talks, our Walkley Foundation podcast series featuring some of the best journalistic talent from Australia and around the world. Today, we're delighted to present you the full audio from the fantastic Women in Media launch in Sydney. Women in Media is a new networking and mentoring initiative supported by the Walkley Foundation and MIA, aimed at helping women to achieve equality in the workplace. Through this exciting new program, young and mid-career women will be mentored by leading media industry figures to help them advance in their careers. In this podcast, ABC Australian Story host Caroline Jones, the WIM national patron, reveals astonishing insights from her 50 years in broadcasting. She is joined by WIM WA founder Victoria Laurie and MIA vice president and ABC reporter Philippa MacDonald to talk about why the journalist union has backed a national rollout of WIM. The host of this launch and of this podcast is WIM New South Wales convener, broadcaster and columnist Tracy Spicer. Well, ladies... And ladies and ladies and some gentlemen, I'm delighted to say, you won't be handbagged, gentlemen, as someone said to me. I had a fellow who called me, where's Glenn? You have to put up your hand, Glenn. Where are you? Glenn called me a couple of weeks ago and said, are men invited or will we be handbagged? <laughs> I promise you won't, you won't be handbagged. Welcome to the national launch of Women in Media. I'd like to start by acknowledging and paying my respects to the traditional custodians of the land upon which we sit, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and their elders past and present. When I look around this room, I see smart, talented, professional, busy women who've given up their time to support other women. We are so heartened and humbled by your support. So first of all, I'd like us to stand up and give ourselves a toast to us. To us. To us. <laughs> now, as you might be aware, this event sold out about 10 days ago. Um, some of those who RSVP'd have been called away to cover those devastating bushfires. You might have seen we're taking a collection tonight for the Commonwealth Bank's bushfire appeal. Please give generously. It is absolutely devastating. To keep those in the loop who couldn't come tonight, if you're mad on Twitter, like most of us are, please use the hashtag WomenInMedia to keep everyone apprised of tonight's proceedings. You also might have noticed we're taking photos and footage. We'll put that on the website. We're recording this for posterity because we do believe this is an historic event. Speaking of history, let's go back, way back, to 1974, when the singer Frank Sinatra famously called us hookers after being interviewed by journalists in Melbourne. (laughs) In 2002, Mark Latham continued this fine tradition by calling a columnist from The Australian a skanky hoe. Not quite sure whether he thought she had sex appeal or if beer goggles entered into it. I'll have to ask him about that. Speaking of sex appeal, in 2008, Channel 9's John Westacott told Christine Spiteri that women on television had to have effability. This apparently wasn't a problem in 2011 for my Sky News colleague Megan Barnard, who was scoffed at and called a good sort because she dared to ask questions at the NRL judiciary. We've even been compared with farmyard animals, Graham Morris putting Lee Sales out to pasture by calling her a cow. Then this year, Geoffrey Barker penned his thought-provoking column for Fairfax Media. I thought I'd read some of that. 
hair, usually blonde, artfully tumbles onto the shoulders. The eyes, usually blue, sparkle brightly. The complexions are perfect. The teeth are arctic white. The breasts are pert and perky. <laughs> Welcome to commercial TV journalism where post-pubescent babes fill TV screens with their urgent and empty chatter. <laughs> Dear Mr Barker, the only urgent and empty chatter is coming out of your mouth. By the way, the 1950s called, they want their attitude back. Seriously, everybody in this room has a story to tell about sexism in the industry. I told mine in a letter entitled Dear Mr Misogynist last year. In response, I received hundreds of phone calls, emails and tweets from young women in the industry and their message was this. We've come a long way, Trace, but we've still got a long way to go. This is what tonight is all about. Yes, it's a celebration, but it's also a call to arms. You will hear tonight from a legend in our industry. She hates me calling her that. <laughs> She's so humble. The first female reporter and host on Australian Current Affairs Television, Caroline Jones AO, about the challenges she has had to overcome. Vicky Laurie will then join us to explain how these frustrations led to the genesis of women in media in Western Australia some eight years ago. Then senior ABC reporter, and trustee of the Walkley Foundation, Vice President of the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance, Philippa MacDonald, will then talk about how the union got on board tremendously with all of its backing to help tackle structural discrimination against women in the workplace. And I'll explain why, for me, this is an absolute dream come true. But first, as they say in the classics, Caroline Jones has had a 50-year association with the ABC. Let's <laughs> just <laughs> have a round of applause. She was the first woman reporter on this day tonight. Who remembers this day tonight in this room? Oh, awesome. And the first woman to anchor four corners. And at the same time that she was doing that, she was hosting Sydney Morning Radio, which I think is extraordinary. For eight years on Radio National, she presented The Search for Meaning. This provided inspiration for Australian Story on ABC TV, which Caroline has contributed to and hosted since 1996. Now, I didn't realise this, Caroline, until I did research on you, but she's also an incredibly successful author. Her fifth book became a bestseller in 1998. In 2007, Caroline was made an honorary doctor of letters and has been named a national living treasure. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please welcome the very humble Caroline Jones. for that very generous and very comprehensive introduction. <laughs> and if you can't hear at any stage, just holler or raise a hand or something. I'm glad it was comprehensive because the other night I was at an event attended by a great many people and a gentleman approached me and engaged me in conversation and he was obviously very thrilled to be speaking with me. And after about five, and I was enjoying it, after about five <laughs> minutes I said, well, look, I better go and circulate with the other guests. And he said, of course, of course, I mustn't detain you. But he said, you can't imagine what an honour it's been and how popular I'll be when I go home and tell my wife and daughters that I've had five minutes personal conversation with Geraldine Dude. <laughs> 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 now, I'm very happy 
to be confused with Geraldine. Because <laughs> I admire her greatly and we're dear friends and also she's a good 15 to 20 years younger than I <laughs> So no matter how important we think we have become, in the public mind we media types are pretty much interchangeable. <laughs> I think for me tonight, it's just a joy to see so many of you because when I began in the last century, practically, there were so very few of us. And here you are, so many, so bright, so well-educated. And I've promised myself I'm not going to become emotional about this tonight, because partly because I've put a lot of mascara on. <laughs> and I don't want to end up with panda eyes because it's not a good look. But it's lovely to have you here. I thought that I would tell you a little bit of my own story, picking elements that are, may, may be relevant to you, um, either something that you may like to emulate or avoid like the plague, but also elements which will identify what we hope women in media might achieve. I think I was born with ink in my veins. My grandfather, who was the son of a convict, a pardoned convict, was the first editor of some of the first newspapers in northwestern New South Wales. The Corindai Advocate, the Werris Creek Express, the Murrurundi Times, and my mother wrote a column for the Corindai Advocate. When I was 17, fresh out of Gosford High School, I traipsed around the magazines and newspapers in Sydney, hoping to get a cadetship. Anyone who interviewed me, I think, could see that although I had a little bit of talent for writing, I didn't have the gumption or the energy or the drive to be a suitable proposition to give an opportunity to. I think they were right. So I had to wait seven years, I thought this might be encouraging to some of you, before I did get a chance to get into journalism. So it wasn't until I was in my mid-twenties. In those seven years I had quite a lot of experience of life and I think for me that was a good thing. I did a number of university subjects, never persevered enough to attain a degree, I travelled <laughs> widely, I married and divorced. Uh, nothing horrible about that, but a feeling that somehow there was something else I had to do, not settle down and have children and a family. I couldn't explain it, which was terrible not to be able to explain it, but it was quite an imperative. And I'm happy to say that my former husband and I are still very good friends, and in fact even at this late stage he keeps an eye on me, <laughs> just to make sure I'm all right. So you can't do much better than that. In my mid-twenties, I was working in a full-time job in an office in one of the Commonwealth hostels in Canberra. The ABC was just starting. It was a regional, uh, regional station then, Canberra. And I was lucky enough to get one of the informal sort of traineeships. In the next few years there, I did a bit of everything. It was marvellous starting in a region because you did the lot. Uh, uh, um, experience in radio, in television, in interviewing, in um, doing a bit of makeup for the weather person, in answering the switchboard, you know, it was a family and it was great training. In 1968 came the magic telephone call from GHQ, the big smoke in Sydney. Would you like to come and join this day tonight? Well, it was a bit like hearing the voice of God. So I got into the Volkswagen Beetle and tootled up the Federal Highway to, to Sydney. And I can remember so well driving along the Pacific Highway in awe of the height of the Channel 2 Tower and turning the Beetle into the driveway of the ABC where I would belong 
What an amazing moment. I soon found myself the only woman reporter in a group of young, very ambitious, very competitive men, most of whom have gone on to be famous in one field or another in the years to come. They didn't mind me. I think being the only woman, I wasn't particularly <coughs> any sort of competition. I think they thought of me more as a kind of a pet. <laughs> I, became, I became pretty much one of the boys, so I would drink with them and play snooker at the 729 Club, which was at that time the media club. And I used to smoke those, you probably wouldn't even remember, they were very long, black, Danish cigars. <laughs> and I thought that was frightfully sophisticated. <laughs> um, and in those years, those marvellous five years I had, at this day tonight, I learned anything that I do know about telling stories with film from the wonderful second-to-none camera crews that I travelled with and worked with in Australia and overseas. It was a fantastic experience and I was grateful for it. And it was beginning to dawn on me that if I did that job as well as I possibly could, it might open the door for other women. At least I hoped so. After those five years, again, the voice of God was heard, heaven above, and it was literally because Four Corners was on the next floor above TVT. <laughs> Would you like to join Four Corners? Is the Pope a Catholic? <laughs> so there I was, the first woman to anchor Four Corners, and for a few years still the only reporter on Four Corners. Isn't it extraordinary to look back on it now? Well, feminism was only just getting going in Australia, and it certainly hadn't reached the gentlemen of the press. And I thought you'd like to hear just one or two of the headlines that, that greeted my ascension to this great position. Girl will take over four corners. <laughs> I think I was 30. Ban a headline in the Melbourne Listener Inn. This week, the ABC named a girl in her early 30s for one of its top on camera jobs. The Melbourne Sun announced Carolyn Jones, the attractive ash blonde who has. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is really strange to you, isn't it? It wasn't unusual. Who has landed the compare's job on Four Corners would be one of the few women in the world to get such a position. <laughs> in US television, current affairs top jobs are basically reserved for the men. It's something of a breakthrough for women's lib in Australia. That's what <laughs> feminism was called at that time. Well, they sent me on a one-day publicity trip to Melbourne, which produced a full front page on the Listener Inn and showed my painful inexperience of being in the media spotlight. I actually allowed myself to be photographed sitting on a bar stool in a mini skirt, applying lipstick <laughs> and answering questions. <laughs> well, how pathetic wasn't it? Wasn't that pathetic? And answering questions from a reporter who was a lot smarter than I was. Caroline doesn't know her vital statistics, he wrote. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just skinny, she said. And the male reporter further observed, she smells very feminine. <laughs> <laughs> and ended with the punchline, a lot of lady is Four Corners, new lady. <laughs> While a columnist, I don't know what I'm laughing at. <laughs> While a columnist in the Daily Telegraph in Sydney felt moved to confess 
The Jones girl does not particularly appeal to me as a sex symbol. <laughs> well, of course, I was mortified. I was shocked by my own naivety. I really wasn't prepared to become a public figure. I, my pride was in being a reporter and hopefully getting a bit better at doing that job. I had no idea how to handle the media attention. I had to learn the hard way. My word, I certainly could have done with a mentor at that time. It was marvellous to have the opportunity for nine years to do longer form stories. And at the same time as Tracy mentioned, I was doing five years of live morning radio. I loved every minute of it, the immediacy of it and the sort of wonderful work that broadcasters are doing now, keeping us all in touch with what's happening with the bushfires. Um, absolutely marvellous experience. I did have some periods of unemployment over this, these eons that I've been working in the media. And I'll just say a word about that because although it rocked me whenever I did find myself unemployed, I did something else. Some of it was voluntary, some of it was paid, and I think it's, you know, it's worth knowing that the world, does, the, the world doesn't come to an end when you lose one particular contract or whatever it is that you've just lost. I worked with Hugh McKay, the great social researcher at his Centre for Communication Studies where I learned a great deal about listening. I went to some self-development courses, you know, those ones where they take the wristwatch from you at the beginning of the weekend and encourage you to make an absolute fool of yourself during the weekend. <laughs> it was very good for me. I needed it. Um, I was a trainer with the peer support program, which was a marvellous communication leadership program for high schools. That took me all over Australia. I worked as a producer at Film Australia for a while. I went out to Alice Springs and worked alongside the Indigenous broadcasters who were then getting their first television current affairs programs going. What a wonderful experience that was. And uh, I learned the discipline of the 800-word opinion piece. What a great discipline it is. So all those were useful experiences and I think enriched my journalism when I was lucky enough again to get some employment. So really, looking back over it, I think that I have had what you could call a dream run. But I thought I'd just uh, conclude by raising a few red flags to identify what I didn't have and what I really would have valued if I had. And that will also serve to identify some of the things that we hope women in media will provide. I really needed a mentor. I had no idea how to balance work and the rest of my life. Um, for instance, holidays. You know, I really needed to network. I had a feeling that friendship was a luxury I couldn't afford. I wish that I had put more time and energy and love into friendship and networking. Um, I really suffered from an overload of information. I never knew when I'd done enough preparation for an interview or a story, mm -hmm. and in fact, I still suffer from that a little bit. Remembering you, most of you, especially the students here, You've got a proper education. You've got a proper formal education or you're obtaining it in journalism. I didn't have it. You know, I don't have the piece of paper to prove what I can do or hope that or think that I can do. Um, that was a problem for me. I had no idea how to ask for a holiday. I had a little bit of an idea about how to stand my ground, but this was complicated and conflicted. Because I'd been given the opportunity to be first in several areas... I had the feeling that I wanted to, not only to do the job as well as I could, but not to rock the boat. So I was rather intent on being a good girl. I wanted them to see me as being no trouble, 
you know, competent, no trouble. So that by extension, I thought, they will imagine that, you know, no other woman would be a problem either. So that put me in a slightly awkward uh, situation, trying not to rock the boat. I really needed some assertiveness training, and I think I probably still could do with some. But it was always my priority, hoping that if I did it well, it would open the door for other women. I really hope that it worked. Making important decisions really could have done with a mentor, a sounding board, someone with more experience, and I didn't have it. I made decisions on my own. They weren't always the best, uh, so that would have been good. And then the big one. Is it possible to have a career and to have a partner and children and a family life? I wonder how many, for how many of you that is a, a real dilemma. Um, I never solved it. I couldn't see a role model who was doing it successfully. And again, coming back to this feeling of responsibility, that because I'd been given so much opportunity, then I damn well better do it and do it well and do it exclusively and put aside thoughts of having um, a family. Now that means that I've ended up not having any children and of course there's a lot of sadness in that. But at the same time, along into your life come many other young people who can do with a, I don't know, a companion, a mentor, an encourager. I've got four goddaughters and their families and quite a few other young ones uh, in my orbit and I love that and I value that very much. At the same time, I admire tremendously those of you who do juggle having a family as well as progressing in your media work. I think it's an extraordinary achievement. I think it must be done at some cost. But I also feel that at the same time, you are enriching yourselves, you're learning so much more, and I know that when you can bring that to your journalism again, if you're not doing it simultaneously, as some of you are, then you are a much more rounded and rich and generous personality as a result of what you have done and what you're doing. So I think that's really quite a, a, a big one for all of us women. Um, well, what else haven't I mentioned? I've got my pages out of order, which is quite a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea, thank you, how to ask for more money. I'm hearing you, sister. <laughs> and I never made very much. It hasn't worried me, but if I had a family, I guess it would worry me. Um, but that's where the union comes in. I was very proud the first day I joined the union very many years ago. And it's through that solidarity of membership of a union that we can be represented and can hope for equality and that level playing field that we uh, ha have been speaking about. Also, I wonder if you suffer, as I always have, from the sense that you may not be quite good enough, that you might be found out, <laughs> that they might work out that you're really just pretending. Uh, I don't know. I commend to you three articles in New Matilda of March 2013, Where Are the Women in the Media? Beautifully researched articles mm. by uh, Wendy Bacon, Julie Pozzetti and Jenna Price, three of the heavies. Now this could become the Every Woman's Media Bible, I think, because there are the facts about where are the women in the media and very salutary they are. Among many gems that I have found, <laughs> 
was this one from Sananda Cray. In the third of the series, they ask a number of experienced women in the media to talk about how they've found things. Sananda Cray, who's a news uh, uh, editor of The Conversation, wrote this. Men are socialised from childhood to have many of the qualities that... that socialised from childhood to be opinionated, confrontational, authoritative, risk-taking, questioning, unwilling to take no for an answer, ambitious and with a strong sense of self-belief. Of course, she goes on, many women have those qualities too, but they have to struggle against a society that often sees women like that as being bossy, uppity or a bitch. Many women also struggle with imposter syndrome. My goodness, when I read that, it was just like the light bulb going on. Where many men go for top jobs knowing they have only some of the qualifications for that role, she writes, I think sometimes women feel they should wait until they are sure they have all the qualifications. To generalise, men self-nominate, women often wait to be picked. There are also studies showing men are more likely to open pay talks and push for more <coughs> money, where women are more likely to accept the money that is offered as non-negotiable. So I think all that's very, very interesting to me. And these are sub some of the things I've been mentioning are subjects on which Women in Media hopes to offer authoritative professional input. I want women to be effective, particularly for the women in the regions, and I want it to be effective and companionable. I want, we want. Um, and with online, I see no reason why that shouldn't be the case. Um, we also want to mention that women in media is not designed to be anti-men, far from it. We are simply seeking a more level playing field. Finally, for me, it's been such a pleasure and so easy to work with the women on this committee. Tracy Spicer, who really is the initiator of this whole project. Thank you, Tracy, for inviting me to be part of it. And then the other marvellous women. Flip Pryor, Absolute Dynamo, Jenna Price, Amanda Wilson, Amanda Mead, Kate Orbison, Philippa MacDonald, Kate Osborne, and Marcus Strong, who supported us all the way from the union. <coughs> and to our generous mentors, how fortunate we are, and you'll hear more about them shortly. So what lies at the heart of this Women in Media venture? Why the offer of support and networking and so on? Because we believe that journalism matters for the maintenance of a just and humane society. It is a privilege for us all to work in the media, and yes, it's challenging too. And Women in Media would like to support us all to do a very good job with our personal and professional lives in the best possible shape. So you're invited to be part of it, to contribute to it, to be nurtured by it, and just finally, I really am going to stop now, but to invite you to say here's to the success of our new baby, Women in Media. Thank you.
I don't know what to say, Caroline, but all I can picture you doing now is playing snooker with a long Danish cigar and a drink in your hand. <laughs> you are an amazing woman. Um, you've opened the door for, really for all of us in the room here tonight. So thank you so much for, you know, you're very humble, but you really did break down so many barriers at a time when you were the only woman there, like you said, no mentors. No networking. So thank you for everything that you've done for every woman in the media in Australia. Thank you, Tracy. That's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to um, chat briefly about the time that I went to university in the mid-80s because you go into these circumstances thinking that there's a quality. Um, I was talking to Kate Carruthers. Where's Kate? Before we came in here today, social media marvel about this, that, uh, that in schools and university, you know, you generally don't cop that much sexism. It's when you get into the workplace that the institutionalised sexism starts. <coughs> when I went to university, it was about 95% women. My best friend from uni, LJ Locke, is over there. We're still standing. There's a couple of us still standing. Just. <laughs> Just. Uh, but I often sit back and think, what happened to the rest of them? I mean, uh, a lot of our colleagues, compatriots and friends... Uh, chose to have children, become full-time mothers. That's a perfectly fine choice, obviously. Some of them went to different careers. That's perfectly fine also. But it's almost like there's a, a missing generation of women. Uh, a lot of them that we've spoken to since then have said, do you know what, I just got sick of banging my head against the brick wall. I just couldn't do it anymore. So I think that's a terrible shame. I think it's an enormous loss of, of talent for this country. So what, what can we do about it? I guess that's the problem. What's the solution? I like to rant and rave and chew people's ears off about it, but we've got to do more than that. This can work if we work together. To tell us about how this can work, Vicky Laurie from Women in Media WA has flown all the way from Perth to talk to us tonight. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, everyone, and thank you, Tracy, and thank you in particular, Caroline, because that was, that was a lesson in how to present a speech. Now you'll <laughs> learn from mistakes. But greetings from the Wild West and greetings from Women in Media Committee, who uh, rang me up the other day and said, Vicky, would you just get on a plane and represent us in uh, Sydney? Because we think we need to be there. So that's why I'm here and the rest of my hard-working committee isn't. But uh, in the Wild West, uh, as you know, men are men and women are in media. And it was eight years ago when a handful of what we call Perthlings decided to put on three or four events a year for women working in journalism, communications and PR. And it was mainly, I think, because for many of us uh, we had been in and out of the workforce, we'd had children or we'd had to look after uh, relatives etc but, but mainly raising families and we'd been in different areas of the media. Um, I went from telly and radio and then went into print and the idea or the feeling amongst all of us was that we were lacking a connection. We didn't have a, 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 a media, um, a press club um, the old watering holes had gone in Perth. There was nowhere for us to get together when we didn't, there was no connection. So the idea was to reach out and connect. We'd swap name cards, job opportunities, tips, industry myths and realities, gossip of course, 
And we hoped we would inspire a certain solidarity, and that's the word Caroline used, and that's what we wanted. Solidarity among women to advance our opportunities in journalism. We decided membership of the MEAA, uh, our union, was not mandatory for women, but we strongly encouraged it and we <coughs> rewarded it with a discounted ticket price. The union blessed our initiative, gave us a $100 float, and offered its online booking services. And at this point, I grovel gratefully at the feet of Chris uh, and uh, Flip, and particularly Melissa McAllister, for their very efficient um, handling of our um, bookings over these eight years. Without them, we couldn't have done it. So on July the 27th, 2005, broadcaster and columnist Susan Mousehart stood up as our first speaker to speak to 150 women, as you are tonight, and they sounded just like you tonight, with lots and lots of noise, a very small venue, and everyone spilling out the door. From the start, Susan said on Wim's behalf, it was not intended that Wim should be a man-bashing forum, which, coming from Susan's mouth, was actually pretty funny, if you're familiar <laughs> with Susan's excoriating writings about her ex-husbands. <laughs> but we were genuine about it, and men are welcome to attend. One might say they self-select, or whatever the term was you use, self-something or other, self-nominate, self I think. So, yes, yes. what have we discussed at the 26-odd events in the eight years of WIM, Women in Media? Always, I might add, with a good glass of wine in hand and a nice plate of food within grazing distance. Well, we've talked sex discrimination with then-Federal Commissioner Prue Goward. We've run a panel called Who Dares Call It the Dark Side? about the pros and cons of working in public relations and how to relate to women who aren't on what some call the dark side. And that was very heated, by the way. We've heard, we heard businesswoman uh, Janet Holmesacourt give a very frank account of being on the receiving end of media attention. Another panel was Tinsel and Tiaras, about TV women presenters and reporters. Susanna Carr, who's a Channel 7 uh, presenter in WA, a, a legend, cracked us all up with tales of her first, her first on-air camera live cross to a serious news story. Uh, the conversation went something like this. The, the boss said, look, girly, just put on your bikini and jump into that swimming pool. <laughs> she doesn't even remember what the story was, but that was it. We've he held very thoughtful evenings in which, uh, sessions in which Shelley Gare discussed her book, The Triumph of the Airheads. We had uh, an event at which Gold Walkley Award winner Colleen Egan from the West Australian mm described in detail how hard it was to secure justice for a wrongly imprisoned man. Pig's heads and a cleaver come into it. You'll have to ask uh, Colleen or read her book. We've held an event on the rooftop of Australia's most successful commercial radio station, or one of them, in WA, um, run by one of Australia's most successful station bosses, Linda Wayman, who is a West Australian. And she talked about the digital era of journalism, how she saw uh, social media uh, feeding into radio. It was a real, really interesting insight. She was ahead of the curve, and that was in 2008. Sophie McNeil, uh, a young reporter from SBS Dateline, was interviewed by Narelda Jacobs. Uh, Narelda is a very respected Channel 10 presenter in WA. She also happens to be an Indigenous uh, journalist. 
But on that night, she and Sophie were looking outward, discussing Sophie's very harrowing stories about abused women in Afghanistan. I don't know if you saw it, but it was very powerful stuff. From that event spun off a little bit of sponsorship and some logistical support for a visit to Perth by a most remarkable woman that Sophie talked about, a women's rights ad, uh, activist, Soraya Paksat. She came to Perth. Um, she runs a women's shelter in Herat, Afghanistan, and uh, an outfit called Voice of Women. So that's just an example of the potential for women in media to spin other things off, and I'm sure it will happen in, uh, in your case. Like many of our high-profile speakers, Sophie is West Australian, Sophie McNeil. So, of course, is ABC broadcaster Geraldine Duke. Um, and Geraldine, I've had my Geraldine moment too, where people have um, come up to me from behind, and then, unlike Caroline, when they've turned around, there's been this crestfallen look on their face. <laughs> but I won't hold it against you. Anyway, Geraldine gave a warm and fulsome account um, about finding your own strengths in journalism and pursuing them, creating, if you like, your own uh, programs, etc. And I think we called it, Geraldine, finding your compass. Very appropriate. <laughs> At a time when our union was battling uphill to get legal protection for journalists in WA, we brought in WA's toughest media lawyer, a woman, <coughs> and a tough investigative reporter, a man, to explain precisely what perils we all face in defending our sources. Our women attendees come away, I hope, inspired by our speakers who make important contributions locally, nationally and internationally in journalism. And they get to chat with the speakers afterwards. They get their name card. Uh, they network madly with each other. In 2011, Wimmers came away utterly challenged and entertained by Stella Young, the ABC broadcaster and disability advocate. Stella was the first person that uh, Wim flew all the way to Perth because we were be beginning to feel brave enough about our budget and it felt so important to inform media people about the National Disability Insurance Scheme, so we kind of target our events to <coughs> things that are happening. Caroline Jones is our next fly-in, fly-out speaker, as you know. In, in WA, we're very, very good at FIFO, and we hope to get better. So Caroline's going to talk to us next month in Perth, and we hope Jenna will come next year. Now, we've done other things, and I won't go into them because I don't want to go on too much longer, but we have led Wimmers into the world of uh, arts journalism, where I've done a fair bit of work, into our state theatre to contemplate the arts. Uh, they also got a free ticket to the Black Swan State Theatre Show, which at that time happened to be about Balibo and about the perils of reporting news in our region. So there was a kind of tenuous but interesting link. Uh, we've walked them through the Art Gallery of WA and taken them through MoMA shows uh, that are on in Perth at the moment. And then we've ordered our members to just have plain fun at Christmas when we've hired a comedian for a Christmas gig. This national rollout is going to open different chapters and new destinations for women in media. We in WA are all very proud and grateful to you all for taking the concept on. I already have a sense that you will actually lead us by example in certain ways, and just one quick example. Mentoring is a very valuable thing to do, we think, but we've done it on a very modest scale so far. A cadet journo and a photographer co co uh, cover each of our events, 
uh, and their work is vetted and posted online with their bylines, and they get very pleased by that. We've done a little bit of other mentoring, but um, I think probably you will take it um, uh, further and uh, pursue those possibilities. So finally, our WIM ethos over there has been to keep it simple, actually do whatever you've been asked to do, and allow people's interest to dictate where and how fast WIM moves forward. Perhaps one day we'll connect with the Afghan, Chinese or Indian chapter of Women in Media. Who knows? Meanwhile, we welcome you Eastern status to the fold, <laughs> and good luck. Thank you so much for coming over from the Wild West to share your wisdom. And thank you. I mean, eight years ago when you set this up, that was really groundbreaking. And we've taken a long time to catch up. Yeah. So thank you. Um, I was talking outside before to Jacinta Tynan, my friend from Sky News, and she said, so how did this come about as a national campaign? She said, was it your idea? And I said, God, I'd love to take the credit for that. But it wasn't. Um, when I finished up at Network 10 seven years ago, when I was boned, I went up to the union <laughs> and said, I'd really like to go around to workplaces and talk to women about their rights. And a whole lot of things got in the road of that plan, two small children, work, life, a whole bunch of things. Then I got an email from a guy by the name of Marcus Strom hmm. earlier this year. Marcus, put up your hand, take credit. <laughs> and it was serendipitous. He said, we want to start a mentoring and networking program that's national for women in media based on the WA model. We'd love you to spearhead it. It was like the holy grail, that email. I just thought, this is an idea that's the time has come and the union put their full support wholeheartedly behind it. So thank you so much, Marcus. It's been tremendous. Of course, we had our concerns at the start. We thought, there's a lot of busy women in the media. Who's going to donate their time to mentor? Well, our concerns were unfounded. As soon as we announced this, we got the most incredible response from high-profile, powerful women in the industry who wanted, who were desperate to help other women. We've also been overwhelmed at the other end from women who want to be mentored. And it's a symbiotic relationship. It works both ways. It helps everybody. So we're just delighted. I'd like to introduce our mentors now. I do notice that Kate, Kate McClymont is standing over here. Kate, could you please come to the front? We've got a seat for you up here. Thank you so much. There's a few other people standing. If there's, if it, has anyone got a spare seat next to them or can shuffle up? Oh, fantastic. Would you ladies like to come around and shuffle into the spare seats? Thank you so much. Just, we apologise profusely. Put your hand up if you've got a spare seat near you, then we can see. Thank oh, fantastic. You. Thank you so much. More? Wonderful. Just, just keep your hand up if there's a, there's a spot where someone can fit in. Thank you. Thank you so much, ladies, for standing at the door. Sorry about that. We've been a little overwhelmed by the response. Thank you very much. So Kate McClymont needs no introduction, of course. Fairfax's famous, wonderful, successful investigative reporter, five-time Walkley Award winner, once it was the gold, New South Wales Journalist of the Year for 2012. But Kate, my favourite quote about you came from Paul Keating. I hope you don't mind me repeating that. 
Kate was disparaged by none other than Paul Keating for, quote, sniffing bicycle seats and chasing subterranean odours. <laughs> I think it says more about him than it does about him. I think it does too. Kate, I cannot tell you how delighted, thrilled, honoured we are to have you on board as a mentor. Thank you so oh, much. I'm thrilled with the opportunity. I, like you, wished I had a mentor, so I think it's fantastic to be able to give back. So I'm thrilled. Oh, thank you. We are overwhelmed. Um, we are so delighted to have most of our mentors here tonight, which is wonderful. Angela Mollard. Angela, if you could put your hand up or wave to everybody, you would all know. I've met Angela for many years now. She's a national columnist for News Corp, but for many years before that, worked as a magazine and newspaper writer all over the world. She's a wonderful, kind, caring, loving woman, mother to two daughters, and really does walk the walk when it comes to women supporting other women. Currently writing a book, or has just finished Finish. a book. God, hallelujah. <laughs> Never do it again. Don't do it. Just do it. I should speak to Kerry Sack when she's done with the reading. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> When you said yes, I went, oh, my God, I can't believe it, you know, writing a book and agreeing to mentor other women. So thank you so on much. Holiday. <laughs> oh, that's right. We got her when she was down, when she was on holidays and not thinking straight. Now, unfortunately, Marina Goh can't be with us tonight. Many of you would know her as publishing director of Private Media, which publishes, among many other things, Crikey, Women's Agenda, um, Property Observer, Smart Company. She's got a whole... Uh, swathe of titles under her leadership now. She's always mentored younger women, even when she was editing Dolly magazine. She actually wrote a piece about women in media, yeah. I don't know whether you guys saw it, for Women's Agenda, where she quoted Madeleine Albright, yeah. there's a special <laughs> place in hell for women who don't help other women. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jane Connors, who refuses to let me call her doctor, where are you, Jane? Ah, Jane Connors, has worked in radio since she was 15 years old has had numerous management roles throughout ABC Radio, including the current one, Head of Industry Policy and Strategy. The reason she wants to be a mentor, I've always had the benefit of smart, strategic advice from other women, and I'm really pleased to be given the chance of paying some of it back. Please thank Jane Cox. Now, this might be controversial, but we decide to have a mentor who is in PR. Because so many women in media bounce between PR and journalism for most of their working careers. And although there are a lot of women in PR, a lot of them, same as journalism, are in the lower paid, lower power roles and not in the upper echelons. So we really want to work to change that. To that end, we have the marvellous Vanessa Lyle on board from End-to-End Communications. End-to-End was just named PRIA, New South Wales Consultancy of the Year for this year. She's had two decades in the industry and she's always been passionate about mentoring other women. So thank you so much, Vanessa. Mm -hmm. thank you. And we have a new mentor, Tanya Denning, sitting here in the front row, a proud Beery woman from central Queensland. Tanya is the channel manager for NITV. She's executive produced a whole bunch of different programs, from children's to news to sport and entertainment. And your experience is absolutely invaluable, Tanya. So thank you so much for coming on board with us. Hey, to talk a little bit more about how all this will work, please welcome the lovely, I always want to give her a hug because she's so delightful, Philippa McDonald. <laughs> Th 
Thank you, Tracy. And look, I've got to um, I come with apologies from Kate Tawney, who's uh, our Director of News at the ABC and also the New South Wales News Director, Don Lang, and they're very sorry they can't be here. But hi, everyone, and welcome. I grew up with Caroline Jones, so to be sitting a couple of seats along with you is such a treat. And because you were my inspiration to become a journalist. And on Saturday nights, my parents would go out, they had a social life, and I'd turn on the TV, fight with my brother to keep it on the ABC and Four Corners. And it was like you'd look me in the eye and you'd tell me what was wrong with the world. And a lot was going on, because I'm talking early 70s to early 80s. And I know that you reflect that you had um, no women role models. And what a role model you've been for all of us. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you for changing the world, changing our world. You are, of course, still changing the world. And by being patron, you're sending a very powerful message of leadership. You continue to be one of the most recognised and respected people on TV. You are insightful, generous, encouraging. And you continue to encourage me and I know some of the young women that you encourage and mentor right now and you make a hell of a difference. And they're only the ones I know about. You are calm and wise. I think you're everything that we all aspire to. <laughs> So many of us are here because you are, and you're that beacon of integrity in what's, let's face it, can be a rough and tumble world, and at times so exhilarating. We're all on this kind of roller coaster. As I look around this room, I see a who's who of our media landscape, and I see what my friend Kristen Barry, who I went to university with, um, she calls it a serious skin in the game. And, um, and some seriously generous women in the industry who are prepared to give back. And um, I look at women here like Amanda Wilson and Heather Forbes from the ABC. And they're just to mention a number of people I could uh, roll off. I'm filled, like I'm sure you are, all are, with an excitement about what's possible. And last year, 1,200 journalists lost their jobs. I mean, it's the elephant in the room in the Australian media. More redundancies are in the works. These have and continue to be tumultuous times. So many women, experienced women, we value and look up to are no longer leading our news agenda, our news coverage, our news agenda. Longevity is increasingly hard to achieve in our industry, so is a sustainable career, and I think that's what we all want, a sustainable career in a digital, social media fueled 24-7 news environment. We're all constantly evolving, reinventing ourselves, and oh so many of us could benefit from fresh eyes, looking in and perhaps identifying new pathways. This year, um, I was lucky enough to be at the International Federation of Journalists Congress in Dublin, and there were journalists from 110 nations. And there were real struggles that a lot of journalists, and particularly women journalists, were going through. 
but I couldn't fail to take note of what the Europeans were saying. And they were talking about the big challenges young women journalists face. They include the high number of women journalism graduates from universities, a shortage of jobs, many young women working for free for extended periods to get a foot in the door, a large number never getting that break into the media job they'd aspired to, low pay for entry jobs, onerous and extended shift work and job insecurity. That may sound familiar to some of you here. By the response to tonight and the standing room only and the begging that went on to get tickets um, and the horse training that went on, um, the scalping on Harris Street. <laughs> the response to tonight is clear. There's a hunger for unity, to stand shoulder to shoulder, to engage on what's going on, what's going wrong and what's going right. A generosity of spirit to reach out to our colleagues and to help people shine with a helping hand. The Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance and the Walkley Foundation is immensely proud to be a driver of the Women in Media initiative. It's right we should be here because MIA is all of us. It's our professional body. The Women in Media initiative is, after all, a MIA initiative inspired by our Western Australian colleagues. And so great to meet you after seeing the byline and, and greatly admiring your work over the years. And eight years of WIM in WA. And WIM, I understand, also stands for Women in Mining. Yes, it does. <laughs> and we're going to meet with them. Oh, great. Oh, oh my really? goodness. I've, I've already made overtures. Mm. Very interesting. And their mentorship program is way ahead. Oh. So you might have... Gina Reinhardt at your next. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be sitting next to Twiggy Forest. <laughs> well, thank you for your trailblazing efforts. Um, Flip Pryor, thanks you go to Flip, and of course Marcus Strom, and the terrific organising committee. Thank you to Mia, the Walkley Foundation, and Media Super. Um, ABC's editorial policy means I cannot thank a lot of other people, but I think you will, Tracy. Thank I you. Can. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, our intention is fourfold. I think I've got five points, though. Networking, to cut across male-dominated culture in our newsrooms. Am I allowed to say the boys' club? Yes. Mentoring, to give formal one-on-one -on -one support to mid-career women and early career. I don't know what career I am in, but I'd love it um, and love to be a part of it. Making industrial demands for equality, paid parental leave, superannuation during unpaid parental leave and to ensure equal pay for jobs of equal status. Now, retirement income is a big issue for women in the media. It's well behind that of men. And frankly, I'm going to need a lot more to retire on than a lot of my male colleagues. And so it's a big factor for many of us. Mia also works with media companies, and I'm sure you all know this, to combat sexual harassment, bullying, and to generally support women's careers. Women in media is about providing a supportive environment for women to thrive in their media careers, to eventually address that imbalance in gender equity in executive management and in the boardroom. I liken a mentor to a guardian angel and 
imagine having a guardian angel not always there but you know really keeping an eye on you and um, someone who believes in your abilities who really likes you can provide strategic direction guide you through the highs the lows and the right opportunities maybe when to say no help you navigate your career build confidence and assertiveness and it is so important isn't it Caroline because you can seem really bolshy and you can bail people up in the street and as Kate might have done in car parks of prisons and you can have all the confidence in the world and I can go to Fiji and spend a week with you know Frank Bainimarama but I'm rather shy and you know not always very assertive Amanda Wilson describes having a mentor as a hugely valuable experience, possibly life-changing. Thank you to the mentors who've come forward. Oh my God, how fantastic you are. And to all those who've applied to be mentees. Now, this is our first step. There's a huge groundswell of interest. The program will continue to grow, so keep an eye out for other bigger venues. Mentorship programs are open to all um, MIA financial members. Thank you for coming and have a great night. Thank you so much, Philippa. Not only for the inspiration that you are, I can't tell you the number of people who've said to me, can I be mentored by Philippa MacDonald? I'm ah. like, she's on the committee. We're trying to talk her into mentoring. <laughs> You are an amazing inspiration and thank you for all the work that you do with the Walkby Foundation and with Mia because it's tackling this, this pay inequity, paid superannuation on parental leave. This is the kind of really gutsy stuff that we, that we need to get done. So thank you for all your hard work. Well, on I'd that. like to thank Mia and the Walkby Foundation. So thank you. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'd like to thank everyone on the committee and guys if you could put up your hand uh, hands when I thank you I know everyone's so humble the first person I'm going to thank is the tweeter and photographer over there <laughs> Flip Pryor communications manager Flip is an incredible organiser, has a remarkable attention to detail and has the patience of a saint. She also organised the wonderful wine tonight from Treasury Wines, thank you so much, and the lovely Lucky Door Prize that I hope you'll put your business cards in the drawer because we're about to draw that from Signet Bay Pearl Farm north of Broome. That is a wonderful prize, we're so excited about that. Um, I'd like to thank Marcus Strom, the best feminist fella that I know, <laughs> the Bolshe bloke who is the Honorary New South Wales Secretary of MIA, working on the Future of Journalism project, but about to go back to SMH as Morning Chief of Staff. Morning News Director, congratulations on your new job. And thank you for walking the walk. Kate Orbison, right here. Put your hand up, darling. Medical reporter for Cirrus Media, a multimedia guru who can do anything, spent countless hours sending out invitations and is a digital native, not like a lot of us, so thank you very much for doing that. And she's also fascinated by zombies. I need to find out about that later. <laughs> Now, is Kate Osborne here tonight? Oh, she's not here tonight. She's on our committee as well. She writes about a coal seam gas in Eastern Australia. She's also a digital native and helps with our communications and our website. Now, I have to tell another story about Caroline Jones. Yes, we've actually got um, two Amandas and two Kates on our committee. So if you named Amanda or Kate, you can join our committee. When I met with Caroline for the first time, I was terrified to ask her to be our patron because she is so esteemed. Then when she turned out to be so lovely and warm, 
and welcoming, uh, we decided to ask her to join the committee as well, and she said yes straight away. So thank you very much for oh, being on fun. our committee. Yeah, it's enjoy it. Uh, we love, you're a wonderful, kind, thoughtful presence, and you've got a wonderful analytical brain. So thank you so much for thank everything you. that you give to the committee. Oh, thank you. Jenna Price is hiding behind her Mac there. I do not know where to start with this woman. Co-founder of Destroy the Joint, weekly columnist for Fairfax, senior lecturer in journalism and social media at UTS. Prodigious energy, quick thinker, this woman gets things done. She secured this venue for us, her and James Hurley. Also the mouthwatering catering from Lush Bucket. Please thank Jenna Price. We just love her. Amanda Mead, everyone would know her from her two decades writing about media for The Australian. Amanda knows everybody, knows the industry inside out, and is just a marvellous addition to our committee. Thank you so much for everything you've done, Amanda. And Amanda Wilson, wow, former editor of the Sydney Morning Herald, has worked all over the world, China, Hong Kong, just saying hello to Kate there. Amanda adds that extra degree of gravitas and wisdom to our committee. In fact, she's fleshing out our mentoring program at the moment. So thank you so much, Amanda. You're a wonderful. <laughs> and of course, the gorgeous Philippa MacDonald, a sensible head and a generous spirit. We love you. <laughs> thank you. Um, also, a big thanks to our National Steering Committee. We're setting this up in every state, WA and uh, New South Wales, and now around Australia. Red Bean Republic for designing our wonderful website and invitations. Dominic Kavanagh for taking the photos, Laura Parr for filming tonight's proceedings, and our partners, as we've mentioned, Mia, the Walkley Foundation, Media Super, Yellow Glen and Devil's Lair, and Signet Bay Pearl Farm for our Lucky Door Prize, which I think we're going to draw. So thank you very much for Signet Bay Pearl Farm. thank you, Tracy Spicer. Thanks for listening. For more information on mentoring and getting involved in WIM, visit womeninmedia.net. Please subscribe to the Walkley Talks on iTunes and follow the Walkleys on Twitter and Facebook for new episode updates and be the first to know about upcoming Walkleys news and events.